Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we talk about and celebrate Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, one last minute at a time. Oh. I'm one of your co-hosts, David Stoker. That would make me your other co-host, Chris LaSalle. Hey, Chris. Hey, Dave. We're on our last minute for Search for Spock. We made it. We did. We made the voyage. Yeah. So you know what this means. Do tell. We got to start prepping voyage home. Yeah, man. I'm excited. <laughs> I, All right, so we're on minute number 100, and this minute starts with McCoy smiling and tapping on his forehead. And this minute ends with the credits for the five actors who played Spock. All right, the credits. Mm. So, as you may know, listeners. We're going to condense everything into one minute, so there's a, about 30 seconds left of the actual movie, and then we're going to pretty much condense all of the credit information into this episode. That's the best way to do it. I agree. I think so. Yeah. Although I do have some, I do have some highlights I pulled out of the credits, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about those. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. So McCoy tapping on his head. Yep. Do you like it or not? I don't. <laughs> I don't at all. Uh, it just looks very cornball to me. Well, yeah, okay. <clears throat> In a movie filled with cornball moments, this is the corniest ball. You think it's the corniest ball? Just about. <clears throat> because they don't know what it's supposed to mean in the grand scheme of things. Because a minute later, he was basically disheveled walking down the stairs. You know, I'm okay, Jim. And, you know, when he was standing in the lineup, he was – he had no expression. And now all of a sudden he's smiling and pointing at his head as if to say, I know what you're thinking, boy, or something like that. Well, yeah, that's what I was wondering. Like, what's he supposed to be conveying there? Because if it was – you know, if it was, you know, your contract just came out of my head, I would have, like, you know, tapped on my head and then made, like, a throw-up gesture or something. Right. You know, like, make your, yeah. head, make your head pop, you know, one of those. But, yeah, that one looks more like – I know what you're thinking, and I now I know all your deepest, darkest, darkest secrets. Right. I almost feel like it would have been the other way because we learn we learn more about McCoy's deepest, darkest secret, which is that he really cares for Spock because he says it. He goes, "I can't stand to lose you again." Right. I, I feel like it's almost like Spock needs to walk by and do the. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> that would have been funny if he did that in reply. <laughs> you know, and not yeah. as a not as a just mimicking what yeah. McCoy did, but more like, yeah, I know a lot more about you than you know about me, buddy. <laughs> right. And I feel like, obviously, we have the the opportunity because we've seen all these movies to know what happens in the next movie when they're talking and McCoy, you know, wants to talk to Spock about the whole thing, and it doesn't seem like he knows as much as we he may think we we're supposed to think here. So I feel like obviously I know too much, and this this makes me more confused because I'm like, well, he he's indicating here that he knows something, but I know in Voyage Home he sort of doesn't. So maybe it's when they changed the bridge they decided to change McCoy's memory. I don't know. 
<laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to save that. Save it. We'll talk <laughs> about that during Voyage Home. Yeah, I I would agree with you that it's a it's a bit. Of, I'm gonna have to agree with you here that it's yeah. it's a bit of a cornball moment. But unfor- and unfortunately, it's like a sequence of them because the next one is when the crew all walks up to Spock. Yeah. And they have to touch him. <laughs> which, yeah. Which you're, is a, you're real. Yeah. What? I don't get it. I mean, yeah. I, I can see walking up to someone and giving him a hug, you know, right. or maybe a punch on the shoulder. But yeah. Sulu, like, is, is all through, is Sulu, Chekhov, and Uhura, they're just, they're just touching him. They're so happy. We're so happy. Yeah. That's a, I'm going to, I'm going to. You give, grinning goons. <laughs> I'm going to give Nimoy, a, you know, a, I'm going to have to put a check in the minus column here with his directing. It's, they didn't think this all the way through. <laughs> you know, we had the sequence of, you know, him walking the line and kind of having that yeah. that moment with everybody. But this is just a weird, they they couldn't figure out how to tie the movie up, like, the you know, <laughs> tie up that last thread. Right, yeah. So they have this little group scene, and I don't know, it doesn't, doesn't quite work for me. It looks awkward. So there's a couple of things that, beyond that, that make me a little, so... I almost get the impression that in the background, as the crew is sort of, you know, hustling up to touch Spock, um, the woman looks like she's smiling, and I almost feel like Sarek is is not a straight face. Like, I feel like he is about to smile, because you can see sort of his face change. And then when Savick comes up, she sort of smiles. Mm, yeah, she's got a little smirk. She's got a little smirk going on, so I'm kind of like, is this Vulcan or are we on Earth? Like, well, that's what I mean. That's why I think that at you're right. It kind of adds to the awkwardness of the. You know what I? You know what I feel like? Feel like what, what may have happened behind the scenes is that they, you know, they had McCoy tapping his head. Yeah. Um, and then they're like, "All right, that's it. That's a wrap. We're we're good to go." And then. Uh, they're like, oh no! Wait a minute, we that we can't just end with McCoy tapping his head. We need one more shot, right? What can we do? <laughs> we just do a brainstorm on set. Let's just everybody walk up and touch Spock. Yeah, and you know, and then they forgot. Yeah, Savik, you're not supposed to smile, um, and you guys look weird touching Spock like that. I don't know. It's it just looks like an afterthought. All right, we don't have time to do anything else. All right, that's a wrap. <laughs> exactly. We got thirty seconds. Go. Um, and then, uh, I, so I'm just going to go out and just say, I think the first 20 seconds of this minute, which is pretty much the end of the movie is weird. <laughs> it, it, it is, it's a weird sequence from the tapping of the head to the crew coming, touching him like he's Jesus resurrected to, and on a, on the day of resurrection itself, um, he turns and looks at Kirk and Kirk smiles at him and, he gives him the raised eyebrow, and you can see Shatner laugh. Yeah. Like, you can see his shoulders kind of go up and give the, <laughs> you know, the, the little laugh. Is that, and then that's, do you think that's Shatner that, laughing, or do you think that's, that was supposed to be Kirk laughing? Because Kirk loves that eyebrow. I, I don't know. I have to wonder if that was just like an instinctual thing for Nimoy to do, and then it totally caught Shatner off guard. Mm. <laughs> And he sort of was like laughing. Yeah, yeah. But I just feel like the whole thing's a little. And then we get the pullback, the helicopter shot of, you know, we're looking down on the scene, and they're still all touching Spock. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> it is weird. 
what do you think? I mean, I know that I know that that's the la- that's you know, and then that's almost the last shot. Then they fade away to the you know the the shot of Vulcan and the altar. But you know the, the li- sun the sun is rising. It's a new day. Yeah, I almost feel like uh, Nina Simone's going to break out in a song. Ooh, that would be yeah. interesting. I could see that working with uh, <laughs> with the Star Trek. Here film. comes the sun. <laughs> what do you think of Spock doing that eyebrow at the very end? Out of the things that are weird, I found that to be okay. Like, um, because that's Spock. Like, yeah. it gives us a little semblance of that the original Spock may be in there somewhere. Yep. I <clears throat> I like it. Um, I actually, if I had more time, I would have gone back into the original series to try mm. and see how many episodes of Star Trek ended with that kind of oh shot. But I feel like it would have ended with the com- comedic Star Trek, do, 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 you know, that, that comedic music at the very end. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if that was, I, I feel like that was, you know, like a little bit of a callback to the series. And it's just, it is, I mean, it, it is, it, it makes me laugh, you know, made Shatner right. laugh. It makes me laugh, um, which, you know, I like to laugh, but I don't know if I like laughing at Star Trek movies. Um so I have mixed feelings. I like it and I don't like it. Right. Now I'm just hearing that funny Star Trek <laughs> music in my head. <laughs> um, so then they do the yeah. So then we do the pullback. The sun is shining on a new day, and then we get dot dot dot, and the adventure continues. Dot dot dot. Is that the? Uh, well, uh, I like that. Um, but is that the equivalent of like you know, Kirk and? the Enterprise crew re- will return, you know, in the voyage so, home. So that's, so I have, I have a couple questions. Does it mean that, it, it does? is it a double meaning? Is it, or is it a singular meaning? Like meaning, yes, the crew will be back to helm the Enterprise again. The adventure continues. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. We already have something in the pipeline. Or is it because Spock is resurrected, the crew is back together, their adventure continues kind of thing. Hmm. Like not necessarily in the movies, but they're back together. The adventure continues. Life. Oh no! I took it as you know, uh, you know, coming next summer is the next movie. Right. No, I, I think that's what I think that's what most fans would think. Like you watch the movie, and you know, you, you see it even today. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy will return, or yeah. James Bond will return. Um, so you get the distinct feeling that there's going to be a, another movie. But this is ambiguous enough to be, we're going to give you a little bit of hope, but we might not be talking about a movie. Or they're talking about a spinoff with Mr. Adventure. Maybe. And that would be a fantastic show or a movie, and I would watch and drink that up. <laughs> it, it's all... It's, it's, yeah, no, it's I'm kidding, just, of course. No, of course. It, I, it's distracting to me too because you know it's a callback to the end of the motion picture where they said the human adventure is just beginning, right? And, so and I it, think that's what, and, and I think that's why I'm sort of thinking of that. Is it like life? The adventure continues, like their adventure continues, but we may not necessarily get voyage home, or oh. it is it or it is entirely possible. That it, they had already inked the deal for Voyage Home, and they knew that they were coming back. Okay, 
you know what? I actually like the first one then. I like that this could have been just the sign-off to say, yep, thank you for watching the the Star Trek yep. movies. We're all done. Yeah, like just like you said, like in the motion picture where they said the human adventure begins or however – I forget if that was the actual wording or it's, like you said or it's not. It's just beginning, or, yeah. It's just beginning, yeah. I feel like this is sort of a – you know, maybe Nimoy was like, hey, let's do what we did in motion picture you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking. Like, I think there's either two two interpretations here. There's either, you know, it's a sign-off saying our adventure continues or there's going to be another movie. Well, we know how that ended. Yeah. They got another movie. They got another movie. Yeah. And from here now, I guess it's uh, off to credits. Yeah, it's off to the credits. Off to the credits, which are always fascinating. Um, so the first thing we get is we get also starring – James B. C. King and Alan Miller. Mm-hmm. And we know them as uh, the alien, our friend, the Genesis alien. Genesis? <laughs> and uh, we know him, the other one, uh, James B. C. King, as the captain of the Excelsior. Captain Styles. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But I just find it kind of interesting that they do just an also starring just for those two guys. Right, and especially, I mean, usually they do that if you've got, you know, some, you know, I would have thought Dame Judith Anderson would have gone there, right? Kind of, yeah. those, you know, big stars, but maybe, you know, doing cameos. Um, right, yeah. Alan Miller, I mean... When we, when he was we, in it for like two two minutes. Yeah, and he also didn't have like a huge track record that was, you know, yeah. like, oh yeah, he was, you know, in all these other films. and um, So yeah, interesting choice. Um, and then we roll into, so this is how I think they should have ended it is I think they should have said, you know, because they roll into, the next thing they roll into is, and as Spock, uh, and then they list the five people that played Spock. That's how they should have started the credits. You know, that, you know also starring as Spock, you know, get rid of the James B.C. King and the Alan Miller, um, and just put them in the regular credit list. Don't They don't need a special call-out. Hmm. I feel like the Spock, you know, the, the Spock Five um, need their own little thing and they get their own little thing but i feel like it should have just been them right you know <clears throat> we've been talking about the the five spocks and um the, the, the spock five the spock five i love that band uh but there's but i it's debatable that there's six spocks and, and mm. you know i were talking offline we had kind of gotten our gotten scrambled up a little bit but um later in the credits um there's a section where they just talk about voices and right and one of them is uh, Frank Welker, and he he's uh, credited as Spock Screams. Yes, so that's when he's going through the the transformation. Yeah, I don't know which screams, and I know you know last week Candace was trying to figure out you know the I think it was the first Spock Spock number one his cry right. and his his noise. She was trying to figure out what alien baby that was, and we still haven't figured it out. The interns are failing us right now. Mm. Um, but uh. So yeah, so Frank Frank Welker, you know, is he the is he an unofficial member of the of the Spock oh, the, Five? He could be their cousin. Cousin? He just he just plays with them on tour. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, while I'm there, the other voices, uh, the Enterprise computer, uh, played by Teresa E. Victor. Um, so not Major Barrett, and I, I I'd like to. Ref- and I don't know when she first shows up playing the computers, if it's just in The Next Generation or mm. if she shows up in the films, but uh, not yet. 
Um, Harv Bennett, the producer, play, does the flight recorder. Mm. Um, we talked about Frank Force, uh, which was actually Leonard Nimoy in disguise doing the voice of the elevator. Um, yep. The one that got after, that Scotty got after. Mm. Um, and uh, space dock controller, Judy Durand. I just want to go back just for a minute to uh, Frank Walker. Yeah, sure. Do you know what Frank Walker's famous for? Uh, no. So he's a famous voice actor. Mm-hmm. So, and I would think that from our generation, we would know him because he was in such awesome cartoons as Inspector Gadget, as Dr. Claw. Get out. He was Fred in Scooby-Doo. Really? Later, later Scooby-Doo, not our Scooby-Doo. Oh, that's okay. Um, he was Jabberjaw. <laughs> and I think the most famous one of all is he was Megatron from the Transformers. Oh, my God. Maybe that's what Candace was thinking of then. Maybe she was thinking of Megatron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I did not know that. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, got a, he's in a bunch of stuff. Um, I mean, he was Abu and Aladdin, and he was just he was he was in a ton of ton of stuff. Okay, uh, but I think the most famous ones are I think he, that he played Jabberjaw, uh, Doctor Claw, and Megatron. I think are the big ones. I can't I can't reconcile. I mean, Jabberjaw didn't he sound a little bit like you know Curly in the Three Stooges? Yeah. And well, and yeah, <laughs> and Doctor Claw was like the Inspector Gadget. You know, he had that real. Isn't that yeah, the voice? He, Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Um, moving All right. on through, through the credits, you yeah. have some interesting tidbits for us. Well, I just one of the ones that, you know is kind of going through them. Um, uh, the instrument I- instrumentation displays and computer animation. So all the ones we mm. kind of you know teased about, and as far as you know, looking like Atari graphics and all this right. stuff, and you know, which at the time we got to give them credit that stuff looked awesome. Um, but the uh, there was actually three different companies that did the work: Symbolics Inc., Omnibus. Um, mm and uh, stray focus um so i just want to give kudos to them as much grief as we gave them we actually do love their work oh yeah definitely i mean yeah we <laughs> we did give the movie a lot of grief in terms of the special effects but and let's see uh, there was an interesting line we, we talked we definitely talked about uh, mark uh, okrand um but he's credited as alien languages created by um, so hmm. not even you know the Klingon language developed by Mark Okrand, right? That's that's ends up being right. his, you know, claim to fame, yep. uh, and maturing that. But he's but he's credited as alien language. I I, I don't like that. I, I feel like I've seen it in other movie credits before, where you see like these generic descriptions of things that are very actually are very specific to the film, right? And it also it, it may it, it, I've thought it before. In other movies, thinking of it now, it makes me feel like the person who wrote the credits just like, you know, was just some secretary or someone who was like completely disconnected <laughs> from the film. They just gave, they're like, all right, here's a list of people we need you to group them together, put them in order. And, and she's like, what, Klingon? What the heck is, I don't know what Klingon means. Just forget it. Alien languages. I don't know what that is. You know, she just makes it all generic and uh, just so disconnected from the content um, that they don't give it that, you know. The detail it should it should. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think the as far as going back to cast, um, they kind of group them by here: are the Klingons, here are the people on the merchant ship, and then they have the Vulcans. Um, 
and one of the Vulcans listed is Vulcan Child, played by Catherine Blum. Mm. And we, we talked about her briefly. She was actually cut from the film, but right, that, was, yes. that was the sequence where she, she uh, when they were carrying Spock up the steps of Mount Celia, she kind of stepped out from the crowd and said, live long and prosper, Spock. Right, yes. Um, so just wanted to call her out again, give her some, uh, give her some credit from the credits. And um, we also talked about Woman in Cafeteria, Grace Lee Whitney. <laughs> so weird. I know. Just give her her props as who she was. I know. There was uh, no reason for it. I mean, I get like you're sort of like thinking like I know who that is, but to credit her that way in the in the credits is just just bad form. Yeah. Uh, let's see other stuff. I had a I had a question mark, and I'm going to see if you can answer this question because I couldn't figure it out. <clears throat> there's a there's a special thank you near the end uh, to the United States Marine Corps uh, and their air and air and guard combat center. I okay. Like, I'm like, what? What would that have been in relation mm. to a one? I don't I don't know what an air and guard combat center is. You know, picturing for some reason I'm picturing something an outdoor location, but I couldn't I couldn't fit it into anything i know about about the film i mean we, we talked about um you know occidental college where they filmed on location for the steps of Basilea, right. but everything else i thought was on sound stages yeah i i would have thought that majority of the stuff was on was on sound stages yeah so a little just a little bit of a question mark there yeah no i i don't think i would have known what part of the movie that would have been from yeah interesting and then, and then I kind of freaked out a bit as we were getting near the end of the credits. There was a whole list of songs. And, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. The first one was Genesis Project, um, credited to Craig Hunley. And we've talked about Craig, so this one is not really a song. This was the, um, this was the, uh, I don't know what am I say, the soundtrack to the the Genesis Project video, uh, which they you know played again yep. in this film and yep. um, so we talked about him he also goes by craig huxley uh, and he's also the guy that famously he, he developed the um, the v'ger sound in the blaster beam we talked oh about that yes yes yeah so they kind of so they gave him credit under this songs section for that uh but then there's three other songs by johnny mercer uh i remember you that old black magic and tangerine and i was like what <laughs> okay um, so all I can think of, um, you know, he's a, he was a, he's a, you know, songwriter, lyricist, singer. He died in 1976. But all I can think of is that maybe the music in the bar scene, which I remember, you know, kind of. Oh uh, yeah, maybe. Hmm. We were kind of poking at it though because we thought it sounded like you know, oh, they they was like wannabe Star Wars cantina music, but it maybe was actually. <laughs> Johnny Johnny Mercer songs and we just I, I don't know Johnny Mercer mm. so it didn't completely went over my head um, but there was also the scene in the off, officer's lounge when Kirk is trying to you know convince Moreau to, to give him the ship back I think there's music being played there too kind of loungy music yep um, so it's I'm, I'm assuming that these three songs appeared in those forms in those two scenes mm, okay yeah interesting yeah but when I when I saw a list of songs, I'm like, what the, what, where the heck was I? <laughs> um, I think that's all I had for credits, uh, things to call out. I mean, obviously, 
yeah, I'm not going to go through every line, but uh, those are the those are the interesting ones that stood out for me. Cool. I didn't really go through the credits. No. Are you a do you are you are you a guy that do you sit through the credits and you know when you when you're in a the theater do you sit through them and watch them all or um, sometimes um, yeah sometimes I'll sit through the credits but most of the time I don't no um, are you I think just, are you just waiting for the the end credit sting pretty much I think that's the big thing now it's like that's how they get you is yeah. they give you the double end credit you know they give you something after the Original, you know, the actors are in, you know, the the the, the main actors, and then they they give you the the teaser, and then they make you go through all the credits, and then you get the the funny teaser at the end. Yeah, I think that's how they get you. You know what I mean? I I think that's I think the stings, the, the end credits, they're, they're brilliant because they do make you sit mm. through, and you yep, and they're they they're generally entertaining, right? They try to entertain you through them, but um, I miss the ones I haven't seen one in in years where they show bloopers. <laughs> You know, those yes, are like, yes. like I'm thinking like the Cannonball Run movies. Yeah. Those were kind of famous ones, but uh, I'd like to see those again. Those would be fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. Those are the best. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that's, uh, I think that's all I, I mean, that's really all I had for, you know, minute 100 and then the few minutes of credits afterwards. So um, what about you? Any, any, any other stuff on, on these minutes? Nope. I'm good, man. All right. So then what's your, uh, you know. What's your let's see final thoughts? You know what's 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 your takeaway of Star deep, Trek Three? Deep thoughts with Stuart Smalley. <laughs> um, so I think there's a reason why it's in the back half of my you know top six mm-hmm. of the originals, um, and I I go neck and neck between uh, motion picture and this one as being four or five. And I'm not quite sure. I, I need to see the motion picture again, and I I have a feeling I'll end up putting that at four and this one at five. Oh, well, okay, yep. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, we watched it one minute at a time, and we, and I think we did pick it apart a lot, and it may be because of that original dislike of the movie. But the closer we looked, the more I just was like, man, they cut corners here, and I know Nimoy was a new director, and. I get that, but some of the choices he made and maybe some of the choices Harv Bennett made and, you know, maybe the choice of coming up with a preconceived ending first and writing it backwards had, you know, just I think there was a lot in this movie that worked against it. There are great moments in this movie. I won't lie. There are great movies, moments. Uh, the I think my favorite moment of the entire movie, which I think is a lot of people's, is the is the uh, escape scene when they steal the Enterprise. Yes. I mean, that's that that whole sequence of them breaking McCoy out, Enterprise, yellow alert, to backing out, to, you know, finally getting away, I think is probably what really makes this movie Star Trek-y for me. Um, I think the whole bad sets thing really turned me off when they're on Genesis. I think they, we rewatched it, you know, I watched it full, and I just sitting through it, I just was like, yeah, I, there's a reason why I didn't care for this movie in, in, in its entirety. Yeah, uh, I I agree. There's definitely fantastic moments um, in the film, mm. and definitely stealing the Enterprise stands out for me as well. Um, and as much as I uh, really dislike 
destru- the destruction of the Enterprise. Um, it, it is an amazing scene, and it's, right. you know, like I said, I think it's as powerful as you know, or almost as powerful as the death of Spock and Wrath of Khan. Right, um, <clears throat> and uh, still amazed that that was in the credit. Uh, sorry, that was in the trailer that they actually yeah. showed it. Like, you know, like what? Um, and you know, it's it's at the time it was such a <gasps> shocking thing. Yes, you know that's that was it was unprecedented at the time, mm. and uh, um, so I, I I love it for that. Um, but I've also you know I, I wasn't excited about about doing the movie and, like, and I hadn't seen it in quite a while. So, you know, rewatched it, obviously getting ready for the, mm. for the show. Um, and I've been trying to figure it out. Like uh, I was worried about the, the, the humor and I, and I know I, I've been complaining about the humor in, in the Star Trek for, you know, two seasons now. And I was worried that's what it was. I'm like, Oh yeah, I've searched for Spock. It's just all these jokes. And, um, but I realized, I realized that wasn't, I think what it is that puts search for Spock, in the bottom of my list is it's a Star Trek movie, but Spock isn't in it. Right. And so that absence, I th- you, f- you feel it, even though you've got Kirk and you've got the crew and the enterprise and it's, and it's adventure and it's about Spock. Hmm. We don't get him until you don't really get him at all. Even though he's, he's back at the end. You yeah. He's not part of the adventure. He's not part of the, and I, and I, and I think I think that's what it is for me. I think that's what I struggle with. Is it, it it's mm. Star Trek, but it doesn't feel quite right and not yeah, quite whole. Not quite whole, and he's it's because he's not there. Yeah, I I agree I agree with that a lot. And they I think they tried to with middling results. They tried to compensate, you know, McCoy pretending to be Spock. Mm. Um, but I don't feel like they did that enough to make it feel like. To alleviate the loss of Spock, right? Like there were moments when he did it, like whether he was at the, the you know the science station and he makes the comment, and then everyone looks and is like, and then he sort of turns to him, and he's like, "Did I do that right?" You know, those were cool, but you still felt the loss of Spock, and maybe they needed to add more elements of McCoy being Spock or something like that. I don't know. I don't know how you could have done it while still searching for Spock. Right. Yeah, I think. I agree. I, I don't. I, I think you could have done not necessarily flashback scenes because I don't think that would have fit either. But you know, we talked about a couple of times this season. <clears throat> you know, what's going on in McCoy's head? Mm. Uh, I could. I could totally see a you know a scene where <laughs> I'm thinking of like when Dumbledore and Harry Potter have that their final meeting. Uh, mm. that, was it King's Crossing or? Yeah, King's Cross. Uh, you know, have a scene like that where you know they're up in heaven. <laughs> it's McCoy talking to Spock, and they're just talking about what's going on. You could have done that at least, but then again, I, it probably would have. Uh, you know, I think the whole, in a way, the whole point of the movie was to have Spock as the final reveal, right? The yeah. final. So having him, you know, probably having him within the movie would have undercut that. But it's the one thing I feel like is lacking from the film. Yeah, I agree, but you know it's that catch twenty two. It's like you can't do a movie searching for Spock if you have Spock in it. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, that was the whole right. So that that begs the so let's just say let's just say for for giggles as we've done throughout the whole season, rewrite this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, what if 
you know, Nimoy, you know, the whole thing was Nimoy said, I'm done. I don't want to play Spock anymore. Uh, you know, just don't call me anymore. I'll go to the conventions, whatever. But he says, I will absolutely not play Spock again. Okay. Uh, how do they, how do they, how do they, how do they move on from that? Like you said, in this movie, the loss of Spock is, is, is really felt. And I agree. But I mean, I don't know how they would have gotten past without him. Like they needed, they needed Leonard Nimoy as Spock to to move the 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 um you know the films forward, and obviously you just can't replace him with another Vulcan because it's not the same. Sure. Well, and and, and maybe they were prepping that with with um, Kirstie Alley as Savick, and it may have been more important for them, and maybe negotiations would have been different if Nimoy had stuck to his guns and said, I'm absolutely not doing another movie. No matter what you say, I'm just not doing it. You can offer me five direction. You know, I could do direct five pictures. I'm just not doing it. And then maybe it becomes more important for them to negotiate with Kirstie Alley and maybe succumb to her salary demands or whatever the issue was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, well, I don't know if that would have worked but I, I would have gone to see that, right? So if it was Star mm. Trek, Star Trek Three, the adventure yep. continues. Whatever the whatever the story of the day is, and it's just Kirk and the crew, and instead of Spock, it's Savick. I would mm. I would have gone to see that. Yeah, but, you know, I'm sure we would have come out of it like, oh, I miss Spock. It's just not the same. But I think Savick had so much potential, and not just Kirstie Alley, but. Yes, and, I agree. Yeah, and granted, you know, she was almost like two different characters too between the actresses. But you know, Robin Curtis's Savick was much more Vulcan-like, and um, yep. But we never got. But Robin Curtis and Kirk—they didn't even interact in this film, mm. right? I mean, they only had a couple of moments on Genesis, and yep. Um, so, so we never got a chance to see. I'd be, I'd be able to say more of this if I could have seen Kirk and Savick interact a little bit, you know. But how do you, you know, how, yeah, it's like, yeah, how do you replace Spock? You know, the, the third leg of Star yeah. Trek, right? That would have been pretty tough. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's good for us that he that he did come back. I mean, they obviously, they so Star Trek as a whole was successful, obviously, without Spock. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have Next Generation, Voyager, DS9, and then, you know, the other series, and, you know, even now Discovery. So, I mean, there was obviously a way to move beyond Kirk and McCoy and Spock. However, we have just returned to that universe with Chris Pine and uh, Zachary Quinto and, and the reboots, so we all still love the Kirk and the Spock. <laughs> we love the Kirk and the Spock and the McCoy. Yeah, we do. So, yeah, I I agree with you. I think um, I think it, it was a different movie without you know Spock in it yeah yeah because you know in in the reboots I, I bought it the Kirk and, and Spock and McCoy and yep you know, oh yeah I bought it you know I know it was different actors and you know slightly different versions of themselves but I still I still bought it I don't know but I guess William Shatner DeForest Kelly and Zachary Quinto right that would have been weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> they, they couldn't have done that right um, so anyway the loss of Spock. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think this movie had, as we've talked about, 
throughout the whole season, you know, like I said before, as we sort of rewrote this movie, they had a lot of opportunity to do different things, to make different choices. And I know we're not necessarily movie people. You know, we don't write movies or produce them or in any way. We just do a podcast. Um, but I think there was room for opportunity. I think letting people in on certain information was always key. I think they they wanted us to spend suspend so much disbelief and just go along with whatever they were saying that they sometimes need to involve the fans, the audience into the schemes a little bit. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, well, again, it was, it's, it's still a Star Trek movie. It still had some amazing moments. Um, Oh yeah, definitely. It's it's not, um, it's not the final frontier. Uh, That is true. I will agree (laughs) with that. Yes. So, Yeah. Um, I think that's all I had, man. I think it was a, I, it was a, a fun, uh, a fun season talking about Search for Spock. I had, mm. I, had a, I had a, I had a great time doing it. Just as, just as much fun as, as doing Wrath of Khan. And oh yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I'm assuming you want to come back and do Voyage Home. Oh, absolutely! Come on, man. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll definitely come back and uh, yeah. do Voyage Home. Um, should we uh, should we uh, thank our guests? We should. Let's yes. thank some of our guests. Let's do that. Uh, let's see. So yeah, let's uh, let's thank our guests uh, uh, in no particular order. Sure, uh, Candace Lasalle, my darling wife. Yes, poor friend. I hear he's fruity as a nutcake. <laughs> uh, Keith McDaniel. Don't call me tidy. And here's another one just for kicks. Genesis? Paul Sullivan from the Sully Baseball Podcast. Bridge, this is the captain. How can you have a yellow alert in space, Doc? Ted Sullivan, who we know as an executive producer and writer for Star Trek Discovery. One minute to space doors. (laughs) Cassandra Fredrickson from the Lord of the Rings Minute. Here, Doctor. Souvenirs from one surgeon to another. And Norman Mitchell, also from the Lord of the Rings Minute. How are we doing? Funny you should put it quite that way, Jim. We are doing fine, but I'd feel safer giving him one of my kidneys than what's scrambled in my brain. Scott Corelli from just about, I don't know how many podcasts and <laughs> dueling genre productions. I choose the danger. Hell of a time to ask. My lovely wife, Kathy Stoker. I have been and ever shall be your friend. Jonathan Carlisle from... The Princess Bride Minute. Mike, your coat. Yes, true, Carl. Superfan John Doobie, who built me a replica of the Reliant. And Dave Etchison. And I, I think I also wanted to give a, a special shout-out and thank you to Keith McDaniel, who mm. not only was a guest, but he actually also contributed um, some designs to the T-shirts that we're selling at tpublic.com slash Star Trek Minute. Yep. Um, so definitely, uh, you guys should head out there and take a look if you haven't already. Um, there's some new, actually, some recent designs that have been added, and those some of those are from Keith. So, yep. Keith, thanks so much for that. They, you are uh, extremely talented and ext- extremely generous. Thank you for for uh, for helping out with those cool designs. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I'm in awe. I mean, I did a lot of the designs we did, but he has taken some of them to the next level. So kudos man yeah 
All right. Well, then, uh, I think that's uh, I think that's about it. That was a uh, minute one hundred through one hundred and five. Um, that it was. So we are going to be uh, heading out on hiatus for a little bit, um, and uh, but we will be back uh, sometime soon talking about Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home uh, here at the Star Trek Minute. Bye now. Goodbye. <laughs>